Hi, this is Larson Hicks, and welcome to my podcast, where I rant and rave about whatever it is I'm currently thinking about, and also occasionally bring in much smarter guests for longer conversations about topics they're passionate about. Thanks for joining me. Let's get into it. Good morning. This is a uh, this is an exhortation from uh, Trinity Reformed Church, where I'm an elder, and um, I plan to start trying to get these exhortations on the uh, the YouTube channel and the podcast just because it's stuff that I work on and I might as well share it here as well. Um, but it's uh, this week our recording for our, our, our uh, worship service was um, there was a problem with the audio. So um, so anyway, I'm, I'm just re-recording it here for you and um it's about uh, what I'm going to call correctional uh, versus habitual discipline. So I'm just going to jump in and, and uh, deliver it basically the way that I did on Sunday morning. So as we prepare to confess our sin corporately this morning, um, we are going to um, hear an exhortation from two familiar verses from the Proverbs. The first is Proverbs 13, verse 24, which reads, Whoever spares the rod hates his son. But whoever loves him is diligent to discipline him. And the second is Proverbs 22, 6, which is train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. I want to talk about the, the distinction between what I'm going to call correctional discipline and habitual discipline. By correctional discipline, I mean discipline, usually a spanking or some other form of punishment administered as a response to a child being caught sinning or disobeying commandments that were previously given by their parents. So that's correctional discipline. And I'm using the term habitual discipline to refer to proactive training in the form of required activities or disciplines designed to instill patterns or habits in a child's life. So that's habitual versus correctional. So the first verse from Proverbs 13 about sparing the rod teaches us the importance of correctional discipline, that a father who loves his son is diligent to do the work of disciplining him with a rod, correcting him when he is in sin. If you neglect to utilize the rod of correction, then biblically speaking, you hate your child. That's what this verse says. He who loves him is diligent to discipline. Whoever spares the rod hates his son. The second verse uh, from Proverbs 22 is about training, about training up a child in the way he should go is talking about habit, what I'm calling habitual discipline and the fact that God promises long-term fruit from this habit-forming work. When he is old, he will not depart from it. This, is a very, this, is, this should be very good news that Christian parents need to hear. The work you're doing now to train up your children will bless them long after they've left your home, which tends to come much sooner than we are prepared for it to. So the first point I want to make is that there's just a difference. I want to note the difference that there are these two distinct forms of discipline and that not all discipline is correctional discipline. There's also this this thing called that I'm calling habitual discipline and Christian parents are required in scripture to do both. So correctional discipline um, is especially important and necessary really when children are young. Your logical arguments about uh, safety and the dangers of running into the road are going to just bounce off of your toddler's skull. Um, and so in order to prevent your toddler from running out into the road when you're not looking, they need to associate the road with physical pain, right? Um, 
so you hate your child, you know, you don't, you don't care to truly prevent them from that kind of danger. If you're not, if you're not willing to spank them, um, and, and correct them. Um, but correctional discipline does have its limits for one, the rod is, it's really only useful for correcting sin after the fact and for teaching what not to do. Um, so correctional discipline is not very helpful in instilling good habits. Um, you don't typically, for example, you don't typically spank a child into loving to read books. And really, uh, you shouldn't try. That's not that's not what it's there for. That's not how it works. Um, and I've heard I've heard it said um, that you know when it comes to spanking and correctional discipline. There should always be a, vibe, a Bible verse uh, f- for why you are administering a spanking, right? It, if if it's just you you're not you're not you're annoying me or you're doing something that I don't like, then it's not appropriate um, to to spank a child. Um, so there's also a point. Another aspect of just this limitation is that there's a point in a child's life where the fear of a spanking becomes less and less of a motivator, um, and and that's a problem. If your discipline hasn't been effective up to that point in accomplishing the real goal of all discipline, which is not merely controlling our child's behavior, the goal of discipline is the development of maturity and wisdom and a sincere love for God and his law. And correctional discipline alone cannot accomplish this. And I think this is really important. I'm going to, I'm going to say it again, that the goal of discipline is the development of maturity and wisdom and a sincere, heartfelt love for God and his law. So discipline is not primarily about controlling your child's behavior. If that's all that you're doing with your with discipline, that's the only thing you are, are really, really care about, then you're not accomplishing the goal of discipline. And you may be tempted to only use correctional discipline because that's really what that's kind of mostly aimed at. Um, so the second point, here is just to recognize the limits of correctional discipline. Too often in Christian circles, we use the rod as the only tool for bringing up our children. And this is a huge mistake. Um, Not only are there more tools in the toolbox, I believe correctional discipline is in the long run, much less effective than habitual discipline. Biblically speaking, uh, uh, correctional discipline doesn't come with the promise of long-term faithfulness, uh, but habitual discipline does. So, so again, you know, correctional discipline, we're told you hate your child if you don't do it. Um, but, but there's not this attached, um, um, you know, promise of, of long-term faithfulness necessarily to, to correctional discipline. Um, so let's look at, I want to look at Hebrews uh, 5.14, which says, um, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. If we're going to grow up into mature believers who can graduate from milk to solid food, what's required is constant practice in distinguishing good from evil, the development of habits, uh, the habits of discernment. So this is the third point uh, I want to make about habitual discipline, and that's that it's inescapable. Um, let's look at Second Peter uh, ver- uh, chapter 2, verse 19. Speaking about false teachers, Peter says... They promise from free, uh, again, this is about false teachers. It says, they promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever, whatever overcomes a person, um, to that he is enslaved. So this verse demonstrates that if you practice corruption, those practices will calcify into habits. And before long, 
you are enslaved to corruption. I've heard Nancy Wilson say something like, you're either, uh, you're always either swimming upstream or you're drifting downstream. You don't have a choice of just staying where you are. If you're not actively pursuing virtue and obedience, then you're going to be carried downstream into sin and godlessness ultimately. And so in other words, as a parent, you don't have the option of saying, I'm just going to focus on this correctional discipline thing. Um, I'm not really interested in this habitual discipline stuff. Um, and, and, And this is inescapable. In your home, habits are being formed. The question is whether or not you are consciously working to develop good habits or are you floating downstream and allowing bad habits to form. And there's a funny paradox here because uh, because of our sinful nature, developing bad habits is really easy. Um, it's 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 like uh, gravity. You know, you just it just happens naturally. But developing good habits actually takes hard work. Um, so good habits are hard to form, um, but once they're formed, they're easy to maintain and build upon. Um, while conversely, bad habits are really easy to form, um, but are very hard to kick. Right. The great homeschool pioneer Charlotte Mason likened developing good habits in children to the difficult work of laying down train tracks. Once the tracks are laid, those good habits become the rails on which our children's lives can run smoothly. She said, quote, the mother who takes pains to endow her children with good habits secures for herself smooth and easy days, while she who lets her habits, their habits take care of themselves has a weary life of endless friction with the children. She also said, sow habit, reap character, which I think is wise. Um, and so I'd like to add here, you know, that I think many of the adults uh, in this room or, or uh, in the world today, in the Christian church today, um, weren't taught many good habits as children. And uh, we can testify to the truth of a lot of these statements about how difficult it is to break bad habits and to form good ones. The good news is that God meets us where we are and not where we're supposed to be. And he has given us his Holy Spirit to assist us in the habit-forming work of sanctification. So what does habitual discipline look like? It's things like waking up at a certain time every day, uh, performing chores uh, before playing, limits on screen time and mindless entertainment, um, devoting consistent time to study and meditation on scripture, diet and exercise, Uh, It also includes things like your habits of eating meals as a family and learning table manners, your family traditions, your customs, rituals. Those are all part of habitual discipline, the songs you sing as a family. So all of these things will stay with your children long after they leave your home. And so as we enter into springtime and the season of Lent, I'd like to encourage you to do a little spring cleaning with respect to your habits. Take stock of the habits that need attention, and as a family, set out to tackle a few of them. Don't bite off more than you can chew. Consider the frames of your family. And if you're doing it right, it should be unpleasant, like all discipline is, but not grueling. Pray for the Holy Spirit to grant you success as you focus on habitual discipline in your homes, and be encouraged by the good news that if you train up a child in the way he should go, when he is old, he will not depart from it. No matter your age, you are a child of God. And our father continues to train us up because he is a good father who loves and disciplines his children. This reminds us of our need to confess our sin. Um, and, uh, and this is the point 
in our worship service where um, we confess our sin. And uh, why don't I? Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll end there. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining me. Hope this was helpful.